HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You need a CPA that you can trust with all your taxes and financial needs? Look no further than Joanne Flash Fleming at Fleming & Associates CPA. For more info, go to flashfleming.com or email Joanne directly at j-o-a-n-n-f-l-e-m-i-n-g at flashfleming.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes. Is 
Welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half of your host, Darren Bresnitz. I'm your other host, Greg Bresnitz. We are coming to you, I can't say live, because this will be recorded, but we're coming to you from L.A. It's our first uh, fully recorded show out in L.A. Shout out to Cameron for letting us use the studio, and uh, shout out to Winnie for giving us such a, a really good deal um, on the spot. Uh, we have an awesome, very L.A. show today. We have the boys from Hatchet Hall, and the man... From Honus Honus. Welcome to Snacky Tunes, guys. Thanks hey, for thanks us. for having us. Um, all right, so Brian, Jonathan, you guys are both from the South. Yes, sir. Right? Uh, Brian, Georgia, Jonathan, Florida. Florida's not really the South, but... It's like its own country. It's its own country. It's own country. Um, shaped like a penis for a reason. <laughs> uh, were you offended when people say it's the South? No, because I was born in North Carolina, so I've seen both sides of it, and I have family in North Carolina, so when I go back there, it's definitely a little bit different than, first say, Florida. People from the South get offended when they call Florida the South. Do you get offended when, when someone's like, Florida's the South? Yeah, I get offended when anybody associates me with Strader because he's from Florida. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, uh, so we're going to talk about the, uh, dissolvement of your partnership right now, it's just, it's, you just... He couldn't get over the Florida bit. It's, I'm really sorry that had to come out. But um, so growing up in Georgia, I mean, that's like sort of, uh, like that's a pretty good, well-known cuisine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, who cooked growing up? Mom, dad, grandma, anyone? Uh, I think it was pretty standard. Mom cooked pretty much every meal unless it was uh, cooked on the grill. Oh, then oh, it was like that standard. Like yeah, that that standard. Wow. And what were some of the like more memorable dishes growing up? Um, the interesting thing about my family is that my sister and I are the only two from our family that are actually Southern, because my whole family is all from Colorado. My mom had 11 brothers and sisters who were all Damn. ranchers, who all turned out to be ranchers, or okay. uh, who raised cattle, or raised corn to feed cattle, and then uh, my dad had one brother who's now, now a banker, but we were like the black sheep of the family, and we moved away from there, and... Uh, Grew up in grew up in Georgia. Would you ever get uh, packages of steak or meat from the nah. ranchers? No. No. Nah. Okay. Um, so, and then you said you're from North Carolina, but grew up in Florida. Where in Florida? Which uh, Vero Beach. Okay. Where the Dodgers did spring training for many many years. Oh, okay. You ever go to the games? All the time. All the time. Yeah. It was one of those things where I grew up with Brett Butler's batting gloves, and you know, Eric Caros and the Mike Piazza days was when I was really into it. So it was nice being able to see those guys. Developed their careers, like coming into spring, spring training, and it was, it was really interesting. That was kind of a driving force in the local economy as well. That's yeah. kind of why I got started in restaurants because of all the snowbirds that would come down. And oh, really? Yeah. What was your first restaurant job? Uh, working at the Palm Court, which was this like sleazy <laughs> diner with uh, palm tree carpeting, and used to walk around with the bus tub and clear all the tables for all the gray hairs, and you know, getting yelled at for more coffee, and the coffee's not hot enough, and. Then the well, coffee's not, too hot, right? Yeah, exactly. And then it's not too hot. It's it's one of those things that no one's ever happy in those situations. So it's definitely prepped me for working in restaurants my whole entire life. So uh, just they they uh, like if you can survive the gray hairs at four uh, p.m. <laughs> exactly for um, the, for the blue plate special. So what brought you guys out west? Uh, what made you like? When did you start thinking about the other side of the country? Well, for me. Um, I work for a guy named Hugh Atchison out of Athens, Georgia. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's like kind of my chef mentor. And I worked for him for a couple of years. And he did like really cool, like, I want to say 
Southern food, but definitely with a California influence because mm-hmm. he was the uh, executive sous chef at Gary Denko back in the day, I think mm-hmm. opening sous chef. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is awesome, but I want to move to California and I want to do like super, super fancy food. Uh, so I came out here to work at Providence for Michael Simarusti. Oh my God. <laughs> so just working for Michael on Q alone is like, that's a hell of a, yeah. hell of an experience. I think, you know, from Hugh, I learned how to run the kitchen in like a unconventional cool way. Cause he, he was all, always like. Super chill. He always empowered us. There weren't many recipes, so everybody learned how to cook really well. And he ran the kitchen with you know respect, and it was fun, and it was mildly laid back. Then coming out here and working with Michael, he also ran the kitchen with respect and dignity. But it was you know he's a serious he's a serious dude. I but mean, he's he, but he's honest. It's like if you do something good, he'll be like great job, and if you do something dumb, he'll be like you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what approach do you take in your kitchens? Is it like somewhere in between? Like, nah, I'm definitely more on the, more on the hue side. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like personally, I never was able to function very well or at my highest level in this kitchens. Cause I was always like, Ooh, I'm going to get in trouble or yeah. somebody's going to throw me under the bus or this or that. But in, at five and 10, you know, with a little bit of empowerment, it just like motivated. And I feel like, you know, you have people that work well under high pressure and you know um then you have other people that work well when nobody's looking over their shoulder yeah. i think it's just kind of you know you hire people like-minded people and then you let them they're good at what they do and then you let them do what they're good at and figure it out their way have you had some people that come through the kitchen that definitely wanted like the more kind of intense like you know yell in their face and you're like this is not the place for you please exit from the kitchen uh <laughs> yeah pretty much but uh they weed themselves out. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. We don't like any bad. I don't want to say bad seeds. Yeah, like it's never fun to have to walk into eggshells around people in the kitchen because there's enough pressure and you know it's fast enough that you need to be able to you know work yeah. at your work at your own pace. I don't want to say pace, but yeah, but you got to be on the same program as everyone else. Yeah, for sure. And what brought you out west? Uh, just opportunity. You get to a point in places like Florida if you're parents don't own a business or anything like that you kind of have to search elsewhere yeah being from florida the next best place i could think was los angeles i'd never even been here i just came here with a bag full of clothes and a couple surfboards and just decided to say fuck it and let's just go for it and just started working in restaurants when i got here and just that's all that's all i know what was your first place out here Uh, i've worked at houston's in santa monica oh yeah like one of the most intense like corporate places for somebody like myself. Listen, their, their spinach artichoke dip is... I mean... That's what I, I hear. Yeah. I'll, I'll fuck with it. I mean, it's, it's not bad. It's um, not bad. But it's one of those things that was like, for, for structure, for, for me, I definitely learned a lot there of what I take for now, being in the position sure. of where I am in the restaurant industry. I definitely put some of those things into it, but with my own sort of personality. Yeah. Um, how'd you two meet? Uh, watching the sunset. Oh, like, <laughs> it was like you were walking down one yeah. end of Santa Monica Pier, and he's walking the other. It's like we were both blacked out. Yeah, <laughs> we found each other. <clears throat> uh, Joe's restaurant on Abbott Kinney, which oh, yeah? just recently closed, but it's been a fixture in LA for I, know. I think they went for over twenty five years. Which I mean, is, it's pretty which is good. Crazy. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's really good. Because I I left Joe's and I was a chef at Ashe restaurant mm-hmm. and. Uh, Chris Tabanaga, who we opened Wolf of Sheep's Clothing with, uh, he we were both sous chefs at Joe's before I left, and he got promoted. And I met 
Strader through Chris at Joe's, and then we worked together at uh, Open Wolf and Sheep's Clothing together. All right, so let's talk about that moment when you guys meet, and then you're f- becoming friends, and then how did you decide to become partners? Because that is like you were signing up your life to someone else, right? Not at that point. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Strader? <laughs> uh, it was just one of those things. We all we both were young, and we kind of needed a, each other to be able to continue our careers in a way that we wanted to do it. Because once you do a project like Wolf and Sheep's Clothing, you don't really want to work for anybody else, or you don't want to have somebody over your shoulder or somebody telling you what to do. You kind of grow, in, in a sense, and learn as you go, and, you know, Iron, iron it out as you get older and from each one of the projects that we've done leading up to this point at Patchett Hall it's we've definitely grown up from sitting at the poker table at Wolf and Sheep's Clothing pounding scotch and skateboarding around the restaurant but it's we, we were no longer allowed to do that in the capacity that we used to six years ago but yeah, yeah we'll never do another project as cool or as fun as Wolf and Sheep's Clothing and, and for those of uh who are listening who are not educated and what was the concept behind it and what was the food that you served? There wasn't really a concept necessarily. Uh, we got connected with a lady named Alana who owned uh, Capri on Abbott Kinney uh-huh. and they were just like, you know, they do like two covers a night and uh, we ended up courting her and uh, it's like, hey, we'll pay your, your rent and we'll, you know, we'll write out the rest of your lease, which was only like seven or eight months and, uh, you know, we'll do our thing and you'll get paid and we'll do our thing. Uh, and we just went in there. I think we started it with, with also, this is with Chris Tominaga, who's now working with the Pali. Um, we started with like $3,000 from the, from the ground up. We've really made some, we had his mom like sew tablecloths <laughs> out of like shitty, like cheesy floral patterned fabric that we bought. And then we bought a bunch of mismatched plates stocked some food and then just started cooking. And then we had six burners and half a deck oven in the place. So this is 2011. I mean, there wasn't, you know, six years ago, the LA culinary scene was completely different than what it is today. So opening up a place like this, um, and this approach, how did people react? What was it like? And what was, what were the, like, what were some of the dishes you were serving as well? Um, we did like a smoked trout riette with mm. like avocado toast before avocado toast was cool. I, I hope. We did the biscuits that eventually carried over to Heart and the Hunter, which was like our yeah, you know, our signature dish there. Um, we do stuff like cast iron roasted quail with cornbread and smoked maple syrup. Uh, we did some rabbit dishes. We did you know we changed the menu all the time. We were you know we were young. I was twenty. Seven, I think, mm-hmm. twenty-seven or twenty-eight at the time, and then doe, doe-eyed, fresh-faced. Oh, dude, we just oh, we should look at photos of us from yeah, then. We were, and I'm like, oh my god, we were like degenerates <laughs> yeah. back then. It but was it, crazy. I mean, was it this thing it that you know? But there was structure. Because you came from serious... Qu- no? There's no, there no structure. <laughs> okay, but, all right. So let me. As long as I mean, so then, then, then how how did it do? How how did like how did you keep the doors open? Well, we were you're busy busy <laughs> every night. So yeah, it was cool because it was like you walked in and like we were kids and we were crazy and it was obviously super passionate. Yeah, um, we just walked into the place and like owned put, it. Yeah, put our heart into it and and owned the shit out of it. You could like you walk in there and it was like oh my god, these guys did did this themselves. It looks like shit. 
<laughs> like we had a bath, we had like a the shittiest bathroom of, of all time. There's like dicks drawn all over the place. One time, Owen Wilson, classic dick drawn yeah. restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Owen Wilson bathroom. walked in the bathroom and came back and walked back out and like said something to my ex girlfriend. Was like, I like your dicks. <laughs> it was. It was bad. It was just like it was. It was punk rock. rock. Yeah, it was. It was punk rock. It was yeah. one of those things where you get an opportunity to do something like that. It's just you could feel it when you walked inside the room. For everybody that was working there, everyone owned the position that they are in. Yeah. From like the dishwasher to everyone that was waiting tables there, everyone had their unique personality, and everybody wanted it to succeed. That's the hard part of restaurants is getting everybody to believe in the concept sure. and what you do. And we didn't even have to try there because it all stems from the top. And that's what we try to do in it. What we're doing now, it's like if, if we don't give a shit, no one else is going to care. So it's what we put into it is what we're going to get out of our employees. And then how do you, and we'll talk about it after the break, but how do you take that like passion of youth that like just balls the wall, like we're just doing it, and how do you, how do you start to grow that as you grow up and want to do something that's a little bit more serious and not lose some of that like youthful spirit and and uh, like passion. Just be slightly more organized. Learn how to do numbers and uh, don't get don't get sued. Yeah, <laughs> don't be a dick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's we we come in a business where everybody in LA is doing something different. Especially for for me, having to manage the front of the house, it's more of managing personalities. Yeah, and every, everybody needs something different to get the most out of them, and recognizing that is. I think something that a lot of people or a lot of management that I've worked with in the past don't really do well at. Yeah. Like Wolf and Chief's clothing, it was like, what, 45, 45 seats and there's like yeah. 10 employees. <laughs> I don't even know. It was super tiny. It was, you know, it kind of ran itself because it, there wasn't much to manage. But now it's like, you know, we have 65, 65 employees and now we have like 140 seats yeah. and we're, you know, doing significantly more covers and stuff like that. But you can't do everything yourself. Like we used to do everything ourselves. Yeah. Like we, right. we were like definitely more hands-on and, um, but now you have to run it like a football team. You know, it's like everybody that you hire, bring in has their own individual skill skill set or, you know, talents and you just have to place them appropriately. I think that's your job. And then, you know, let them run, yeah. let them run with it. And just, you know, guide them, guide them a little bit. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a quick musical break. Uh, pull some from the archives from uh, Snacky Tunes and talk about Harlan Hunter and Hatchet Hall uh, here on Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Jackie 
Snacky Tunes. We have the boys from Hatchet Hall here. Um, so after you guys did Wolf and Sheep Clothing, um, you were out in Venice, right? And then you start moving sort of more inland, I guess mm-hmm. you can say a little bit. Um, and you open up Heart and the Hunter, which I know that living <coughs> in New York, like when that restaurant opened, it was one of the first restaurants that made people from New York start to pay serious attention to L.A. Did I know that? Yeah, that is weird. I didn't know anybody knew who we were. Outside. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, we all learned something new today. Yeah. Um, but how did how did that restaurant? You know, how did um, uh, Wolf sort of wind down? How did Heart wind up? Well, at uh, Wolf and Chief's Clothing, we hit the end of the lease, and then that was taken over by David Reese, who owns like A Frame and Alibi Room and yeah. the Brig and all that kind of stuff. And, and we moved on, and the Pally House. Uh, group approached us and uh, we kind of just we set up shop in a uh, in a coffee shop so they basically let us come in and we converted you know in quotations the kitchen into into our own little kitchen and uh, set up the pass on like a like an island where they which was basically like where the cash register was (laughs) and we turned that into an expediting station and uh, and just rolled with it we were cooking off of induction burners camp camping burners with little butane tanks and uh like tabletop it was gangster ovens yeah you know, it's it funny super. because i i thought that the kitchen setup would have maybe gone up a little bit oh, yeah. no, it yeah, sounds not, like not down. Down. No it sounds way. like you took a step down who made uh, the tablecloths <laughs> we use the same ones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you had four hundred dollars to start this one, right? <laughs> this one we had a little bit more, but yeah. Um, but did any of the dishes come over, or was it a whole brand new concept? Yeah, the trout, the trout, and the biscuits came over for sure, and then. Uh, so what ended was up being our signatures? And what was the approach on this one? Like, what did you? I mean, you know, the lease ended, and you sort of knew that that was coming for Wolf's, but, like, did you, were you like, okay, we're going to try a completely new concept, or is this just going to be, like, an evolution with a new name and a new space? Um, since, you know, Wolf, Wolf the Sheep's Clothing is a is an Aesop fable, so we kept with yeah. the fable names. The Heart and the Hunter is another yeah. Aesop fable. So we just kept that going, and I think at Wolf and Sheep's Clothing, we were trying to figure out what we were. I guess we weren't really trying, because we didn't really care, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, we pulled over some of the classics from there and just kept on rolling with it. And then we got a couple of reviews that really, you know, let us know what we were, which apparently we were a southern restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even know we were going to be that. Like, got Thank you for biscuits. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, but you, you're southern boys. Well, sorry, one southern boy and one guy from Florida. Because I don't want to get punched. Yeah, I don't want to work for that. Yeah, and then we yeah. have Chris from Calabasas. Yeah. He's right. an Asian guy. Yeah. So it was a mixed bag. Um, but how did you come up with the menu? How did you come up with the approach for this? Um, and like what defined you or what allowed other people to find you guys as like a Southern restaurant? The biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Golden is goddamn biscuits. You know, it's like you always, you always like do these dishes and then you have in your head what are going to be your signature dishes. But in reality, it's not, it's not up to you. You know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. You know, he, he wrote that review and it's pretty much all about all about the biscuits and all of a sudden we're the biscuit kings. I really had nothing to do with the biscuits <laughs> other than telling Chris we needed to put them on the menu, but because it, it was a recipe that he had he had had and then just kind of worked on and developed and then that turned into our Yeah, and then he hated the biscuits at the end of it because he'd have to get there and prep all of them and then he wouldn't let anyone else do it and then it was it was funny. 
And he'd complain about it all Yeah, time. exactly. He's like, fucking biscuits. It's fucking biscuits. <laughs> but no one else could do them. It's fucking biscuits, right? Let anybody else. Yeah. Do you threaten to take it off the menu at any time? It's like, this is the last week. No. No, we don't want to. We, we, should, we probably we probably should have. Now it's like you know, it's, once people like something on the menu, like really, really like it, we're like, all right, fuck this. What do they know? We're taking it off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and just change it. Um, and how was the run of that restaurant? Um, how did it? You know, it was it got great reviews and like that, but it definitely it definitely skyrocketed. Yeah, our careers. You know that that's what that's what really put us on the map. You know, Wolf and Sheep Clothing was kind of like a little indie dandy. And uh, Heart and the Hunter was a little bit more established because you know we never got any reviews at Wolf and Sheep's Clothing. Sure, it was a pop up restaurant, right? Uh, but Heart and the Hunter—that's when we got hit with everything at once. Uh, and how was that? How did it was great? We got got more than we ever could have asked for. You know, yeah, yeah. Here so, we are, and then we were there for a year and a half, and then after the year and a half mark, we started really feeling the limitations of the space of like having to do all the prep downstairs and yeah. out of a three compartment sink trying to do three turns in the dining room you can't get anything clean and did you we were washing your glasses cooking? no it's just like we were washing glassware out of hand sinks and we like made it work for what it was but yeah we just needed to kind of go in a different direction okay we did as much as we can do here and then we looked to do another project oh. you got to keep moving forward you know? yeah it's like what does Einstein say like life is like a bicycle mm-hmm. in order to keep your balance you have to keep moving forward so, yeah, but he never did anything. Yeah, that's true. He wasn't, <laughs> so he was smart. He's got know, a lot of clothes. Yeah, a lot of cool clothes. Yeah. So, um, so what did you guys do after *Heart um, <clears throat> the Hunter*? What was the next project? We did like a short-lived pop-up project at uh, Flores on mm-hmm. Sautel, which was actually really cool because we actually had we had a kitchen. It wasn't wasn't very big, but it was fun because we could do some like real dishes. Like we had. We had real burners, and we had ovens, and we had fryers. And we had a dishwasher. <laughs> finally. <laughs> yeah. Finally. So we went pretty big. Went pretty big on that one. Probably too big. But at that point, that's when Strader and I broke off from Chris, because Chris opened Cadet in Santa Monica, mm-hmm. and then we did The Gunboat, which... Uh, Got a lot of really good reviews. Which well. uh, and bad reviews. is the gunboat? <laughs> it's not. Um, that was actually like a historical reference. We actually caught quite a bit of flack for it because it was it was tied into the South and the Civil War, which uh, we didn't really think about. Yeah, we just thought it sounded like a cool like indie rock band, yeah, yeah, yeah. or something. And it was cool because it was like because we're in, really into American food history and American history in general, and we just rolled with it. And uh, what do you guys? I mean, what do you guys pull from? American history, American food history that influences your restaurants and the way that you cook. Everything. Everything. Especially, especially Hatchet Hall. Yeah. You know, people think it's a Southern restaurant because that's what we've been coined from. And we definitely have a lot of Southern influences because we're both from the South and, you know, the South is, you know, Southern food's one of the oldest cuisines sure. in the country. It's like, you know, that's what a lot of this stuff is built on. But, uh, yeah, we, we dig in pretty pretty deep into the American food history. We uh, cook the majority of the food out of an old, or it's actually new, but a big brick hearth, like a cooking fireplace, mm. with some custom inserts. You know, we use uh, flat irons and a grill. We have andirons. We have cranes. We have all kinds of. We have trivets. Have all kinds of fun things to cook, like in cast iron, in the in the hearth. You can hang stuff, which is really cool. <clears throat> I mean, let's talk about Hatchet Hall. Because two years now, awesome reviews, awesome establishment. Do you feel like this is like, you know, all the other restaurants were leading up to this one? Well, Flores was, well, Flores is hard kind of the way we left because we left 
the person we were working with there who kind of promised some things that weren't exactly panning out the way that they were supposed to. It's kind of like the bait and switch we got on that one. Yeah. So it's kind of short-lived. But we still planned on doing that project in addition to doing Hatchet Hall. But when we let them know that we opened escrow to do Hatchet Hall, uh, we got the... Got the boot. Got so, the boot? Yeah. Dropped drop the hatchet. Yeah, dropped the really? hatchet on us. So we were unemployed for, what was it, six, seven months? But you had each other. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. But, but the ramen noodles on unemployment. <laughs> but, the, but the whole time, you know, the whole time that we were quote-unquote unemployed, that's that's when we were working on Hatchet Hall. Yeah. I mean, it's like a it blessing in disguise, yeah, right? Yeah. It's like, I have zero regrets about anything I've ever done sure. in my life. Because, like, one thing always leads to another, yeah. like, very organically. It's like if we wouldn't have done that short-lived project you know hatchet hall probably never never would have come up we actually the day that we shook hands on doing hatchet hall was the day that our jonathan gold review came out for flores when he called <laughs> when he called it a pop-up we were like pop-up we we're like fucking told you Perfect. so peace yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that, yeah that's the day that we decided to do hatchet hall yeah so we would sit there before hatchet hall and just we, we thought about every single detail for months we'd meet every day and just talk about every detail mock menus just service style just like everything we had like a, a i have like a hatchet hall bible on like google sheets from everything from like music to decor and we started pinterest accounts it's like we were ready to go you know it's case. serious when you're starting pinterest accounts yeah two straight guys in pinterest accounts <laughs> my, we were, i was back at home like going over stuff with my like, talking to my parents like over christmas because that was like the first time i'd been able to go home for a long time yeah. and my mom's like Brian, if you want to design this properly, you should use a Pinterest account. And I was like, there's no fucking way I'm doing Pinterest. Yeah. And she's like, well, you should just try it. So we came back, and I was like, straighter. I was like, we should do a Pinterest account. My mom, my mom told us to do a yeah, Pinterest my, account. My, my girl, yeah, my girlfriend was like, you guys need to do a Pinterest. And we're like, by the way, Pinterest. Pinterest is really awesome. Well, so that's, that's how we design restaurants now. Yeah. So basically, we, it's we a vision board for the designer. You're like, I know. Here, do this. Yeah. Like, we, you guys are great to work with. Yeah, we, yeah, like, yeah. we had like a hundred different boards with hundreds of pens in each. We had like thousands of pens, like mm. everything from, you know, hearths to taxidermy to, you know, waitstaff aprons and all that bullshit. Um, and then we just handed it to the lady that helped us design the place and she was like oh she's like you guys know exactly what you want this is gonna be amazing yeah we had our we had our patio our private dining space we had the old man bar we had everything just old man bar did you thank your mom yeah (laughs) yeah let's talk about mom you were right let's talk about old man bar oh old man bar that's a that's a place where you go to hide from your family and get drunk okay (laughs) (laughs) so I call so we have a we have a sous chef uh Actually, he's now Chef de Cuisine as of as of yesterday. Hey, hey. hey Martin, congratulations! <laughs> um, he grew up in Culver City, and he used to come to the Crest House Family Restaurant, which was what was in Hatchet Hall, you know, way yeah. back in the day. He'd come with his grandmother, and he was always talking about it. they had this little back bar where, like, all the families and the children would be eating in the diner. And you know all the all the men would be in the back like blasting cigarettes, you know, par- parliaments, parliaments, yeah, uh-huh. parliaments, yeah, and running, like, and, running those machine guns, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And uh, and like drinking and drinking whiskey while their families ate just hiding, which was awesome. So yeah. we, that's what we were like. And they used we to j- bet on the sports teams back there. Yeah, yeah. like, we just joked about calling it old man bar. We were gonna like call it shotgun bar, you know, something. We had a whole bunch of different names, but then we were finally we were like, old man bar is fucking funny. Yeah, that's <laughs> stick, really good. Let's stick with that. Yeah. Plus, our business partner is old as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you named it after me. Hey, Thank you. Um, so, two years in, 
great reviews. Jonathan Gold, another great review. How do you guys feel about where you are, especially with your journey and, you know, Hatchet Hall and just you guys and, you know, having so many restaurants under your belt in L.A. together, um, where do you see now? Where do you see five years? Um, it's funny because I feel like Hatchet Hall is kind of, it's super experimental, especially with our hearth and stuff like that. That's what we're really into is like the yeah. like full-on wood-fire cooking, you know, early American-inspired mm-hmm. Uh, food with early American techniques as well. If we could run, if we could run the kitchen with no machines whatsoever at Hatcher Hall, we would. Yeah. We can't because you know we do three hundred fifty covers a night in, on a good night. Um, but I think the problem, <laughs> is the the mistake yeah. that yeah, they will make yeah. <laughs> is they they always blow their load too early. It's like oh, we're gonna do our thirty seat restaurant for our first restaurant when we're twenty seven. And we're not as good as we probably should be. And yeah. we don't have any money and blah, blah, blah. And then you see those restaurants come and go. Where we're trying to, like, we're trying to build from here on out. So yeah. this is the starting point. You know, we still want to do a restaurant, you know, quote, unquote, a fine dining. Our version of a fine Your dining. Your 30-seater, yeah, two covers. Exactly. Yeah, we want to do a totally American history-based cuisine with the limitations of early America. So, like... You know, only fire, no exceptions, knives, hand tools, stuff like that. But, you know, either, you know, family style tasting menu, somehow figure out a way to do that properly or just tasting menu, but done only with fire and knives and stuff like that. I think. Uh, Hey, by the way, fire knives. Great name. Yeah. Just, that's a great name. Just, uh, we'll create a Pinterest board. That's what we're going to call our boy band. Yeah. Uh, well, listen guys, uh, thank you for taking the time. Really appreciate it. If people want to find more about you, where can they go online? Straighter. HatchetHallLA.com. How's your Instagram game? Good? It's good. It's good. Yeah. I like it. Can yeah, it works. Can people yeah. see the Pinterest boards? <laughs> we can't. Those are all private. We don't want to on our fucking ideas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Have you seen the Hatchet Hall Pinterest boards, man? You get them real drunk, they'll yeah. start bringing them up on Gangsta. their phone. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, well, we're going to take another musical break, uh, some from the archives on Saggy Tunes, and we got Honus Honus coming up live here in L.A. on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
Are you filing your own taxes and driving yourself crazy? Do you think a professional can do a better job of finding legal deductions? Do you own a business and need help with the accounting and taxes? Are you a not-for-profit business that needs financial guidance? Are you just plain tired of your boring accountant and looking for some fresh eyes? Try Fleming & Associates CPA. At Fleming & Associates, Joanne Flash Fleming can quantify anything in a flash. She'll do your taxes, assess your worth, and is even a forensic accountant, an investigator of white-collar crime. Joanne Fleming once said, It was terribly hard for me to read Moby Dick, but put a financial statement or a tax return in front of me, it's like a novel. Imagine that. Has the political and financial news got you feeling down? Joanne Fleming was the accountant for the Occupy Wall Street movement back in 2010. Who better to trust with your financial secrets? For more info, go to flashfleming.com or email Joanne directly, J-O-A-N-N-F-L-E-M-I-N-G at flashfleming.com. Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We have Honus Honus live in studio. Can we call you Ryan? Yeah, please. Okay, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Hi, hi, thank you. And, Thanks uh, for joining us. Yeah. yeah quick shout out to uh, my lovely wife and your old roommate, Anna, for giving us this wonderful idea to bring you in. She's an angel. A very tall angel. She's she's my angel. <laughs> yes. She's mine. Um, <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Anyway, so um, welcome. So happy to have you here. Um, so most of us know you from uh, the Man Man days. Yes. Um, how did that get started? How did uh, that project come to fruition? Poor life decisions. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. That's yeah, 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 thanks. Um, so poor life decisions? Yeah, I, I was going to move to Los Angeles after. I went to school for like playwriting and screenwriting, and I was going to move to L.A. after like a year. And then just on a lark, I started a band just for fun. You were in Philly, right? In Philly, yeah. Shout out. Shout, Shout out, out to Philly. Shout out to your Sixers, 76ers. Oh, yeah. Joel Embiid. I trust the process. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so on a when you started a band? Oh, yeah. And then it just kind of took over. And then suddenly I was a guy in a band writing and singing songs. And not, uh, not what I planned. How did that, how did it go from like a lark, can we say? Yeah. A, a, whim, a, a whimsy fancy of passing to something like when did it click? Be like, oh, shit, this is real. Uh, it was that stupid, like, foolhardiness of being young, okay. where I, I only wanted to make one record and then get on with my life. I was like, oh, this would be cool. I'll make a record. And then, like, years later, like, oh, I made a record when I was younger. Yeah. And then, hey, yeah. hey kids, your dad, yeah. your, your dad was cool, man. Yeah. And then uh, my entire <laughs> band quit on me between the first, after the first record. So then I was like, you know what? I'm going to show those guys and keep doing it and make another record. Spite is a powerful motivator. Yeah, spite, revenge, like, yeah, here I am. I mean, the second record was called Fuck You Guys, right? Pretty much, yeah. Um, But honestly, when did it all click? Like, when did you, like, because, I mean, you guys were on the road, you guys played. Oh, we toured like crazy. I mean, you you guys were, and you guys were known for your. Like, rowdy, fun, crazy shows. I definitely did see you play the keeper with your butt at a couple of times. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually you can't... I don't. Right here, I have a permanent welt from all the times that I pretended to hit my head on the keyboard, then, but actually did. Yeah. It's like my Wesley Willis welt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or it's my brain pushing out, and I'm, like, <laughs> slowly dying. Be like, dude, you have got to stop hitting me. Yeah, it's like, it's why you're an insomniac, is because this part of your head is, like, totally screwed. Um, so did Man Man get you out to L.A.? Is that what brought you out here? Uh, you know, I, I kept telling myself that I would move out here, and so 
you know, I lived out of a duffel bag basically for seven years. Mm. And I would sublet in LA. And then my rash, I was going to, ra- I rationalized that once I was successful enough, I would just move out here and have a bi coastal band. And then I realized that was never going to happen. Yeah. So I just, uh, you know, your, your, your wonderful wife kind of helped me get God out of here. Bless that angel. Yeah, yeah. And she, she, uh, you know, when I lived with, when I lived in that house with her, she was like, "I have the spare bedroom and there's a couch and you can get a bed in here." I was like, "I want to live on a couch for a year." Yeah, and see uh, see if I can live anywhere for a year. Is it technically living on a couch if that's your bed and it's a permanent home? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it was so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Very the, yeah, yeah. the lumps of life. Oh yeah, of life. yeah. Um, so Man Man had its run, right? It's still Man Man's still a band until I want to not do it. So I'm I'm working on a. When another. does a band? I guess that's a good question. When does a band stop being a band when it's just you? When there's no Coachella offer in the future? Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I guess it's what if you just have a press release? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you got like, already. Like I'm done with this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it was weird putting out a quote solo record because. All the songs I wrote anyway just went into Man Man. I just wanted yeah. to see if I branded it something different. Maybe different people would get on board. Did they? Uh, no. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. That was that. Okay. So, I, I don't know if the next record will be a Man Man record or Honus Honus or whatever. But, I mean, it's going to be all right. Yeah. So Why don't we hear a song? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. What are you going to play for us first? This is a song for Kong. Song for Kong. Shout out to Kong. Uh, and it's called Vampires in the Valley. It's a shorty. Okay. And so this is all stripped down on this tiny keyboard. No, it's great. All right, well, here we go. Uh, Honus Honus Live. Yeah. project was the songwriting approach or the context of the songs any different from the man man songs 
Um, you know, I, I, I've been living out here for a while, and I've always, and I, I love L.A. You know, I love Philly, too, because Philly's a really strange city. I mean, you, if you, you know, live there, you have to love it. I mean, I drank the water for so long that water. it definitely affected no, no, my it, DNA. You drank, you drank the water. The water. I drank the water for so long uh, that it definitely affected my, my genetics. Like, I probably can't have a normal kid. What does that mean for us, man? We grew up there. It's going to come out looking like a soft pretzel. Yeah, you're just going to hope that Jaeger, that Jaeger blood is strong. (laughs) She's from that area, too. Oh, man. Uh, Um, uh, But, yeah. um, And so I just wanted, I just, you know, wherever I live is what affects the songs I write. I mean. And so I've been out here, and I I love how weird L.A. is, you know. The album's very much an L.A. album. It's like a, it's, it's a love letter to the city. And to, and to like the the stuff that I feel like when most people think of LA, they've never been here. They just think of Hollywood and red carpets and all that jazz. And, and that's that I mean beach. that's not where I live. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know, being East Coasters growing up and spending the majority of my time on the East Coast, like what I thought about LA is completely different than what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. And no one should move here. <laughs> really? Well, no one else. I mean, we're here. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you don't yeah, want to yeah. ruin this place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, in writing a, you know, uh, a love letter album to a city, how do you make it, you know, original and personal, yet something that is like anyone who lives here can sort of relate to your songs? Uh, you know, that's that's the struggle of writing songs. But I, uh, I, I never want to write a song that someone can't find themselves in you know like that's i always struggle with that i want it has to be objective so every song is like storytelling i bury parts of myself in there Mm. and then it's just imagery you know i'm like a failed screenwriter so i I pour it into like three minute songs no look failed screenwriters are just screenwriters who haven't found success yet yeah well thank you you know bless you you know what i mean like you know you hear about all the people who like had the script in the drawer for like 12 years, and yeah. then they're like, boom. They're like, Mad Men. Boom, Grown Ups 4. <laughs> <laughs> I made it! I made it. Yeah, I'm doing rewrites on the next Garfield movie. It's, yeah. pretty, it's pretty cool. Like, I skipped three, I just guessed where four was going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <It's, laughs> they're in Paris! <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Garfield, Garfield at the Louvre. Hilarious. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, whenever I write a song, I, I just you know I, I really focused on like it being a movie in its own right. Um, you want to rip another tune? Yeah, I'm gonna play a song that I have never really played live before. It's on the record, but we haven't played it live. What's it and called? It, it's called Melted Dice, and it was a uh, it was my version of a love song for a girl. Okay, but it probably won't sound like that. All right, song wrote for my ex. There's a light in your eyes Inherent vice that gets my skin Quivering like a baby Taking a breath of this cold world in Which can be over and underwhelming Unforgiving Existential like the Shroud of Torin Whatever fire fuels you within Oh, I hope it consumes me before it ends Like driving on the ten west 
It's a way you can commandeer a room like a sensual caress Can teach a dolphin English Or maybe it's something more pedestrian and I'm blind to it You make my head spin around like melted dice Every time you roll into view Behind us disappear like melting ice Every time you roll into view I am yours and you are mine I'm born an accidental tourist with a demagnetized moral compass Easy prey for dark-haired gypsies who dazzle me with physics Wallow me with rain sticks, will you be my umbrella? Underwhelm me, all-consuming Existential to the point of bruising Whatever fire fuels us within Oh, I hope it consumes me before it ends Every time you roll into view You make all the years behind us disappear Like melting ice Every time you roll into view I am yours And you are mine And if I'm questioned under duress Tortured and manacled, I won't confess How many licks it takes me to get to the center of your affection Feed me to feral dogs in the street With me with chains and concrete my feet Throw me a tea and I'll smile as I sink I'll never betray who you are There's a light in your eyes it penetrates and shines right inside me To see not who I am right now But the man who I've always struggled to be Which can be over and underwhelming All-consuming Existential to the point of boredom Whatever fire fuels you within Oh, I hope it consumes me before it ends Like driving on the ten west God damn. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome song. Hate the 10. Oh, yeah. The 10 is the worst. 10 is the worst. Last night, I, I was... This is the most LA thing I'm going to say, but I took surface streets to avoid the 10 West. I do that all the time. Whenever I'm in Culver City and I have to make my way back to the east side, it's... Three hours. <laughs> Three hours. Yeah. Um, so in addition to Honus Honus, you also have a, another project called Mr. Havenly. Heavenly. Mr. Heavenly, yeah. Mr. Heavenly. Yeah. Um, how did that come about? And who rips on bass for you? Um, sometimes Michael Sarah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm friends. A good friend of mine is Nick Thorburn. From, he was in the Unicorns. He has yeah. band Islands. And we've been friends. I put out my first Man Man record, I think, when you put out the Unicorns record. So God bless you, Unicorn. Um, and so we'd always talked about being in a band together because I thought our voices would complement each other because he's got the high, I've got the low. Yeah. And we finally did it. Uh, we put out a record on Sub Pop a long time, six years ago. 
And then it's taken us this long to do another record. Wow. And I, I've been wanting to make music with my buddy Joe, who plays drums. And it just seemed natural to fold all three of us into it. So is that going to get a tour as well? Um, yeah, hopefully in the fall. We just, we're almost done recording the follow-up record six years later. <laughs> but I feel like that is sort of... Our schedules are crazy, so yeah, just... Yeah, but I feel like with the music industry today, I feel like that is totally standard now. Where, yeah. like, you come together for a project, and then you go away, and then you come back into another project, and, like, people are just down. Yeah. I mean, it's as much as... I'd like to just tour nonstop like I did for 15 years. Like economically, it just doesn't make sense anymore. Unless sure. I want to live out of a storage unit like I did forever. Yeah. Like it's nice cool. having a bed, you know? Oh, upgrade. Yeah, uh, upgrade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you ever think that you could take all three projects on the road at the same time? Mm. Opener, middle, closing? <laughs> no, no. I mean, I wouldn't be able to talk. <laughs> uh no, absolutely not ever. It's a, that's hell. But when, but when uh when I do tour when I tour with Honus Honus, I play Man Man, and Mr. Evelyn songs. Yeah. So yeah, in that, in a so, way. So yeah, in a um, way, it's just not broken up. Yeah, yeah. But you could get the three paychecks. But but a night. Yeah, they all you know in this day and age they all be they're like one paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> But you could do like one special theater show where you did all. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. One it's, night only. Yeah, I'm a total masochist. <laughs> um, so what do you have coming up? So you have the Mr. Heavenly, Heavenly record. Yeah, I'm working on another. Uh, if it's Honus, Honus or Mamma, it's kind of the same thing. I'm working on another record. Awesome. Uh, my, I have to give a shout out to my buddy Cyrus, who like he produced the Honus Honus record. Shout out and, to Cyrus, and he's my he's the man. He's your ride or die. Yeah, it's like I wouldn't have made the record unless he like basically forced me to make the record and so he's 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 my dude isn't it awesome people are just like dude you have to go do this yeah and he what was like, his uh, motivational did he have a speech or or just harass you just kick me harass me like yeah it was it, it was it was a great foil to have uh would he just say bill packton's speech from independence day <laughs> yeah no it was it was like the braveheart thing but dressed as bill Paxton. oh <laughs> uh, yeah it's great it's yeah. great it's awesome um, well, listen, we want to make sure we have enough time for one more song. Oh, yeah. But where can people find you online? Where can people get the album? HonusHonus.com. You can get it, uh, you know, you can get it online. You can get it iTunes, Amazon. It, it's on the streaming services if you don't want me to, like, ever make any money. No, no, dude, you get a couple uh, pennies. A couple shekels. You get, like, yeah, you, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we don't have enough time to talk about Yeah, yeah, but it's at independent music stores, and if they don't have it, they can always order it. Yeah. So it's got distribution. Awesome. Uh, well, th- this, this song I'm going to play for you guys. I uh, directed a music video for it that's going to come out soon. Awesome. Yeah. What's, what's the name of the song? Uh, will You. Ooh, yes, uh, I will. Um, uh, I just want to say a special shout-out. Thank you to Cameron. Cameron. For, for letting us use the studio. First LA episode. Shout-out to Kong, to Anna, to the Hatchet Hall guys, to, to me, Greg, and to, to Darren. Um, and to Pinterest boards everywhere. Oh, and, yeah. And to Tom and Emma. Tom and Emma, Congratulations. Yeah. For hey, putting me in this state. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Do you, have a, do you have a Pinterest board? Do you have any Pinterest boards? I think I'm going to start one now. It, is, this pod, is this podcast brought to you by Pinterest? It should be. I mean, I mean, if there's ever a case. Yeah. I, as a man who's done Pinterest boards, they are awesome. Yeah. I, well, I, I want to give a shout out to, to Joelle Embiid for uh, bringing the heart of basketball back to Philadelphia after all of these years. I love you, Joel. We almost, we were debating calling the Mr. Heavenly Record Embiid. Like, seriously, no bullshit. (laughs) That's how much you love him? That's how much we love him. Respect the process. Yeah, man, trust it. Well, thanks for for tuning in. We'll be back next week with another episode of Snacky Tunes. Yeah. Ryan? Yeah, here's a song called Will You.
love comes round and do it Tuesday. Uplifting message. Hang in there. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.